This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. All right, we are in week four of a series that we have called SOAP. And this series is all about my and your personal discipleship, that the time that we spend in the scripture, that we want it to be meaningful time, important time, not just religious time, not just the duty of reading the word of God. When we gather on a Sunday morning, it's a part of our discipleship. Um, but the time that you spend individually at home uh, with the Word of God or in your car, listening to it, whatever the case might be, you want that time to be valuable. Once again, you don't want to just do it mindlessly. You want to engage the Word of God on purpose. We believe that the Word of God is God's Word for us. And so this series, SOAP, stands for this. I'm going to throw up that first slide. It just stands for this scripture, observation, application and prayer. So I'm going to just leave that up for a few seconds. So the first week we just talked about the scripture, just honoring the scripture, the word of God in our lives. I'm not just going to it once again just for religious purposes or duty purposes that I have to, the pastor told me I had to read the Bible, that we're going because we're honoring the word of God. We're, we're honoring these stories. We're honoring these things that have been preserved for us, the best-selling book of all time. Um, because we are, are, are knowing that the Holy Spirit is joining with as we read the Word of God. And as we read the Word of God, there are certain things that are going to hit our heart and our mind. And God is going to be showing us those things. Because all of us exist in a comfort zone of some description. And as I've been saying, it's bounded by how we think and we act and how we talk. And then also by our past. We all have a past of some kind, good and bad, and different things like that. And a lot of times we just go through life if we don't actually think about what we think about. This is a gift of consciousness. God has made us conscious so that we can actually think about what we're thinking about. My dog does not do this. Animals do not do this. Their animals are not thinking about what they're thinking about. They're not contemplating their existence. They're like, I need to eat, and I need to eat right now. That's it. And then I need, you know, to do other things. But they're not contemplating things. We have this gift from God made in the image of God that we can actually think about our thoughts. We can actually think about our actions. We can think about our words. And then partly what we need to decipher is this thought worth thinking. Where did this thought come from? Am I just getting it from somewhere from my past? Am I getting it from my family of origin? Am I getting it from the culture at large? Is this thought worth thinking? Where does this thought take me in life? Same with it, with our actions and with our words. Why, why do I act like this? Why do I talk like this? Is this way of acting and talking, is it worthwhile? Is it going to take me somewhere positive in my life? Is it, is it going to take me into the purposes of God for my life? So when we go to the scripture, we are inviting God's thoughts, God's ways, the giver of life, the giver of the breath that you breathe right now, uh, the giver of life who makes your heart beat, he has life for you to live life a certain way, not just that your heart is beating, but he actually wants to speak about how we live this life. And in this relationship with God is the first call for all of us that we should be in, in relationship with our creator. So we're going to the word of God so that we can invite his thoughts and his ways and his purposes into our lives. And so that's why we go to the scripture. 
We're not going for duty. We're not going because I have to or somebody told me that I had to. That I'm going there because I'm honoring the word of God, the thoughts of God in my life. And then the second word is observation. So in other words, we are going to actually observe what I just read. What did I just read? What was being said? What was the subject under discussion? And sometimes we're reading, it's a, it's a story. So if I'm reading a story, if I'm reading a narrative, what is the purpose of that narrative? I'm supposed to extract something out of the voice of God from that narrative. Remember the story we read last week about Jairus? That Jesus said to him, fear not, only believe. We're supposed to extract out of that story, not just, hey, I know Jairus, and I know he was a ruler of the synagogue, and I know that his daughter had this, and I know this happened. We're supposed to take something out of the story as the voice of God to us and then apply it to our lives. I, I, I observe something. Well, I'm living in a fearful way. Jesus says to me, fear not, only believe. So we need to observe something about the word of God. And then we need to observe something about ourselves. This is, the word, this is what the word of God is. And this is a, a story that I've read. Here's something that I've gone to the scripture about. And we see... This is what's great about the scripture. We've got a lot of people that made a success of their life and a lot of people that made a failure of their life. And it's all contained in here. And the idea would be, hey, we want to repeat these success principles and these things where people messed up their lives, we want to avoid those things. They're written there for our benefit. So we observe the word and then we observe ourselves. And then last week we talked about application. That the power in the word of God is in the doing. It's integrating it into our lives, not just knowing it, not just memorizing it, not just seeing it on the page, that the doer of the word is blessed. That's what we talked about last week. So all of those three messages are available on our website, our podcast, and our app. You can catch up if you missed any of those. So last week we talked about application, and today we're going to finish up talking about prayer. John chapter 8, verse 31 says this. Then said Jesus to the Jews, which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So as we have been saying, a disciple is a learner. In other words, it's a grower. We're not just supposed to be Christian in name only and now and something that might be stagnant. Something that, you know, I'm a Christian, well, I'm just waiting for Jesus to return. Or I'm a Christian, so I'm just waiting to die so I can go to be with him. That a disciple is someone who's learning and changing and growing on a constant basis, not just staying the same. And this is what Jesus said, if we continue, if we stay in his word, not just a Sunday thing, not just a religious duty, if we continue in his word then, in that moment where we're learning and growing, then we are his disciples, the thing that he has called us to be. So what is the word of God doing in my life? As I go to the word of God, as I go to the scripture, we're allowing the word of God to disagree with me. Allowing the word of God to disagree with culture. What the culture says, we can say, and what we can't say, and it's really important, and it's going to change five years from now. We want to allow the word of God to disagree with those things. That the word of God wants to inspire us how to live as we go to the word of God and we see God's plans and his ways and his thoughts about my life. That we want the word of God to inspire us. And then also we want the word of God to equip us for change. Because change is coming. And you and I need to change to get ready for the change that's coming. We can't just stay the same. And this is what being a disciple is all about. John chapter 15 verse 3 says this. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 
clean soap. There, we made the connection finally. We are clean through the Word of God. So when we go to the Word of God, that's what's happening. I'm getting changed. I have this relationship with God that He's He's transformed my heart from death to life. But as I go to the Word of God, what's happening? He's cleaning me based on the Word. And then He says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You and I are the branches, Jesus is the vine. In other words, the giver of life, the supplier of what we need. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this constant connection, this constant connection with the vine or the source or the giver of life, and this is what prayer is all about. This wonderful communication, this wonderful gift of communication that we have with God. And this is what prayer is. It's just our opportunity to talk to God. That God opens the door for us to be able to have a discussion with Him. To be able to talk to Him. And what a gift this is. That we can actually talk to God. Now when we think about prayer, you know, it can can seem like a very arduous thing. It can seem like a very difficult thing. It can seem... You know, very religious, or it can seem very dogmatic, depending on what um, type of church that you grew up in. Sometimes in the prayers that we, you know, prayed as a child, they might they might just have been repetitive prayers. And somebody taught us the exact words to say, and then we just said these words over and over again every Sunday or whenever when we went. We didn't actually have to think about them. Think of something that they meant. They didn't really mean anything. We were just saying these prayers because somebody told us to pray these prayers. Now, how many of you know that any good relationship, like we talked about last week, has to do with good communication. You know, what it, you know, any married couples, if you, if you just mindlessly said words to your spouse, repeated them like a robot, how many of you know that there would be something missing in your communication? So this is not the type of communication that God wants to have with us. He wants us to have alive communication, real communication. First Peter chapter 3 verse, te- verse 12 tells us this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. His eyes are on the righteous, those of us that have a relationship with God. And then what does it say? That his ears are attentive. In other words, he's already listening. We don't have to do something super religious to get God to listen to us. We don't have to break into King James English to get God to, you know, okay, you're saying thee and thou, and you're quoting the King James, and so now I will actually listen to you. No, his ears already open to our prayers, the things that we would say. What a beautiful gift that we can actually talk to God, that we can have a a vital exchange, that we can actually talk to the God, the creator of the universe, that he's given us this wonderful gift. And the gift of communication is so important. And once again, we need to think about prayer as a dialogue, that we're having, we're talking to God, and then we're allowing the Word of God by His Spirit to speak back to us. That we just don't want to mindlessly have communication. Now, um, sometimes my wife will want to communicate to me at what I would deem as an inappropriate time when Sports Center is on. 
I feel like this is the wrong time. But she just continues to try. And there's been this wonderful gift that has been given to us by the cable companies. It's called Paul's Live Television. Because what happens is, invariably, if my wife tells me something when the sports news is happening, I have trained myself to say, yeah, mm-hmm. But I'm not listening, friends. Just being open and honest in church today, I'm not listening. I'm saying, yeah, babe, sounds like a good idea. But if you're not careful, husbands, there will be a test. Not a written one, but a one that says, hey, do you remember when I told you that thing? And you'd be like, what thing? She's like, I told you between 6.30 and 7 o'clock the other night. And I'm thinking, what was happening? I was watching the sports news and I wasn't listening. So the cable companies have helped me to be a better husband. <laughs> so I've learned. And so I'm like, she's talking, I'm like, pause. Mm, whatever she wants to say. I don't mean that in a negative way. Whatever she wants to say. <laughs> and then there's a pause in the conversation and I'm like, play. Sometimes like two words get out and then she starts again and something, pause, I need to listen. (laughs) I need to be attentive to these words. And this is what this beautiful gift that we have with God, this beautiful opportunity that we can talk to God. And then he hears us when we speak to us. Then when we speak to him, Luke chapter 11, in the context of this chapter, Jesus is teaching us about prayer. And he gives these three very important qualities that will help us in our prayer life. Luke chapter 11, verse 9, he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now, this is it, it, this whole chapter is about prayer. This whole first part of this chapter is about prayer. But I'm just bringing, uh, discussing this one part. And the first thing that we see about prayer is that it's about asking, that we're asking God. And when, when we think about asking God for things, the, the first part that we want to do is that we want to align our asking with the things that God says that he has already provided for us. First, uh, John chapter 5, verse 14 says this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, sometimes people stop after the ask anything. But it's an important caveat here. It says we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So this is another reason why we would go to the word of God to see what the promises of God are. We sang a song about it this morning. What are the promises of God? What are the things... That God said to us in his word that he has already provided for us in Christ. Those are the promises. We ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so what is our part? What do we need to do? There's two things that we need to do. We need to ask. And the other part is that we need to align ourselves to the will of God so that we can ask for the things... That God wants us to experience or the things that God wants us to have or the things that God wants us to walk in. I'm not just talking about material things. You know, there's any uh, young men in the room this morning, you know, when I was, when I was 16, I prayed that one certain girl would be my wife. And here's what I would say for all 16 year old boys men, boys slash men, you don't know what you need. I was looking at this girl and I'm thinking, Jesus, I need her. But that wasn't the one I needed. I needed a 
told to be about, I hadn't even met her yet. She lived in Arizona. We weren't going to meet for six more years. But what if God had just answered that prayer based on my will? It wasn't according to his will. It was according, it would have been according to my will. And so what do we want to do? We want to align ourselves. We want to know what the word of God is saying to us. Now there's no verse that I can go to that says Brent will marry Nicole. So what should I seek after? I should seek after the wisdom of God. Really the wisdom of God would be the highest thing that we could experience in our lives. So for the things that are unknown relating to the plan of God for my life, what should I ask for? I said, God, I want your wisdom in this area. Don't just define it because sometimes we would define it too small or we would define it incorrectly. So what are we doing? We're asking. See, our part is the asking. God's part is the fulfillment, the fulfillment of the prayer. See, sometimes we, we, we get the job switched. And the things that we're asking for, when would we have those things come to pass? Yesterday, right? All the things that we're asking for, we're thinking yesterday, God. Yesterday would be an appropriate time. Because we live, you know, in a microwave culture. We want everything now. We need it quickly. We want to drive through. But sometimes the things that God has for us aren't actually for now. He has a knowledge of timing that we don't actually have. So what do we do? We keep on asking. We keep on asking. And God is moving behind the scenes. And if you in here today have family and friends who have not said yes to Jesus yet, I'm sure that's true of all of us. But what do we do? We ask God, we, we, we pray for them. Any hindrance that they would have in their lives so that they couldn't say yes to you. And God, we pray that you send a laborer into their lives so that that person could preach the gospel to them so that they could know you. And then maybe we pray that prayer one day and that we don't see it come to pass yet. What do we pray? The very next day, we, ex- we ask the exact same thing. Why? Because we know that's the will of God. We know that it is the will of God for everybody to have a relationship with him. So we just keep on asking. And God's part is the doing part. See, God is doing things that we can't understand and we don't know. And God is working things out in his timing, not yours and mine. I know that doesn't necessarily bless you today. I, don't, I know that doesn't necessarily get you excited. But how many know that God's timing is better than my timing? God's wisdom is better than my own, but we don't want to give up asking. We're just going to keep on asking. We know that God is moving. So the asking, we're aligning ourselves to the will and ways of God, and we keep on asking. The second thing that we said, that Jesus said, seek and you will find. That we would seek after something from our relationship with God. That we would seek to understand more about God. That we would seek to understand our purpose in life. That we would seek to understand the direction that God has for us. Ask and receive. Seek and you will find. In other words, something that might not be seen to you yet right now. What are we going to do? We're going to keep on seeking. Ask, receive, seek, find. You know what, I, I have this thing right now, I have this thing in my heart, and, and I want to move in this direction, whether maybe personally or maybe in a career-wise or business-wise, I'm sort of seeking after something. Seek, and you will find. When will we find? Will we find in our timing? 
No, we will find in the right timing, which is God's timing. But our part is we're just going to keep seeking. I'm just going to keep asking, and I'm going to keep seeking, putting my trust in God. Because once again, what is our timing? Our timing is right now. Our timing is Veruca Salt from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And what did she say? I want it now. You see, all of us are like selfish little children in some respect. I just want it now. I want it right now. No, but I want to seek after God's ways. I want to seek after God's purposes. I want to seek after God's direction and His will for my life. And what was the last thing? Knock, and it will be opened. Knock, and it will be opened. And we think about a door, maybe a door of opportunity. The scripture tells us that God could open doors that no man can shut. And so God has doors for us to walk through in our lives. He has seasons for us to move into. But what if we're, we're standing at the door and we're knocking? We knock one day and we think, well, I, I, feel, I feel like it's time for me to walk through this door. And then we knock on the door and nothing happens. Now what could we do in that moment? We could say to ourselves, that's it, I give up, I quit. I'm not going to knock anymore. I'm giving up on this whole God thing. But we're going to knock and the door will be open. What is, what is God's part? God is the open, the one who will open the door. What is our part? I'm going to knock. And then I'm going to get up the next day and what am I going to do? I'm going to ask and I'm going to seek and I'm going to knock. I'm, and, then, and then the thing, I'm, I'm not walking in something yet. What am I going to do the next day? The very next day, what am I going to do? I'm going to ask and I'm going to seek. And I'm going to, it's, it's the wonderful privilege that we have to have this vital relationship with God. That we get to ask and seek after His will and knock on the door. See, now the Apostle Paul, we see, he prayed uh, these wonderful prayers that we see in the book of Ephesians. So let's turn over there, Ephesians chapter 1. And if you've ever come to one of our worship and prayer nights, you know that I emphasize these prayers. And what we see in these prayers is that we can catch the spirit of prayer. Now, like I said, we don't want to pray in a dogmatic way. We don't want to pay, pray just in a repetitive way. We don't want to pray in a mindless way. But with these prayers that we have here recorded in Scripture, it helps us to catch the spirit of what we should pray for. And the Apostle Paul, in this book of Ephesians, he, he started out the book, and he, and he talks about, as he's sort of preaching through this letter to the church, he talks about their place in Christ, that they are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And there's something very uh, wonderful and true about their spiritual place in God. And then when we get to this part of the chapter, he prays something specific. He prays something very specific and maybe interesting. Because how many of you know, if you think about any church, there might be somebody there who might be sick. Somebody there who might be struggling in their relationships or going through a difficult time in life. And he didn't pray, God, I pray that you heal all the sick people at the church of Ephesus. And God, I pray that you fix all the marriages here at the church here in Ephesus. What did Paul pray? Well, let's read about it here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. It says this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So now he's going to tell them what he has been praying for them. I keep asking. What is Paul doing? He's going to continue to ask. And he's going to 
keep asking the things that we're going to read. It's not, it's not a one-time thing. It's not a Sunday thing. It's not to impress the other Christians thing. You know, Jesus talked about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And one of the things that he said is like, we're not, we're not praying to impress other people. And then he would say things like this. If you're going to pray, you know, the majority of our praying, you should go home and pray in your closet. In other words, uh, pray so other people won't see. And what you do privately, I'm going to reward you openly. So prayer is not a show for the other Christians to pretend how spiritual you are or might be. That it would be just this relationship that I have with God. But Paul is saying, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, and then therefore us, and then therefore prayers that we could pray for ourselves and then for others that we know. The glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And we talked about this week one in this series, that we go to the word of God so that we can grow our relationship with the infinite God. See, if we think we know all there is to know about God, we've kind of missed the boat because we are finite. And God is infinite. So the first thing that Paul prays, I pray that you would know him better. We know that you know him a certain amount. You know him to the degree that you've been taught. And this is true for all of us. But Paul is saying, I pray that you would know him better, that our relationship with God would grow. And this is why our mission statement is moving people closer to Jesus. So all of us can move forward in our relationship with God. We're not going to stay the same. I pray that you would know him better. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The eyes of your understanding. What is this? This means that I would... The eyes of your heart. See, we have physical eyes that we see physical things with. But then we have understanding on the inside of us through our hearts and through our minds. That we would understand about life. But Paul is saying that we would understand that we we should live in a hopeful manner. I want you to understand, church at Ephesus. I want your hearts to be enlightened. That you would know the hope to which he has called you. See, God doesn't want us to live a hopeless existence. What is hope? Hope is an expectation about the future. And then in God, our expectation is always bright. When we think about the future, because we have this relationship with God, and this is what Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, that they would see this, that they would understand this, and we would know this, and that I don't live a hopeless existence because I know Jesus. What is my expectation for the future? even though right now might be hard, even though right now might be difficult. And what I see with these eyes is hard and it's dark. I can have my hope enlightened. I can have my hope bright by what I see on the inside when I remember what Jesus has done for me, that I have hope, that we are never hopeless in this world. See, I I don't... If anybody wants to go down the road of hopelessness... I can't go down that road. I can't go down there with you. We always have hope. Always have hope. We always have an expectation of the future. Why? Uh, Because of Jesus. 
But, you know, so-and-so, you know, they died. Well, we have hope that we're going to see them again. Come on now. We always have hope that no situation, no circumstances quells my hope. That my hope, my outlook on life is in Christ. What did Paul pray? Man, I pray that you would see this. I pray that, you're, that you would have an enlightened heart to know that this is true. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That our hearts would be enlightened. That we would know we have an inheritance in God. What does this mean? This means that we are sons and daughters of God. And because certain, a certain someone is our father, I have a certain way of thinking about life. Because a certain someone over here is my father, when I go to visit him at his condo, I don't stand in the kitchen and say, nobody will give me a bottle of water. We have an established relationship. And he has expressed to me his will, which says, if you want a bottle of water, you need to go in to the things that I have provided for you and go get one. Paul says, I pray that you would know that you have an inheritance. You have something. Because you are a son and a daughter of God. That you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Why would I come boldly? Why well, I have a relationship. Why would I go boldly into the kitchen? Because I know his will. This is what Paul is telling us. I, I pray that you would see that you have an inheritance. I'm a child of God. I'm not a nobody. I'm not what they say about me. I am what God says about me. I am his child. I'm his son. And I have an inheritance of God. And Paul says, I pray that you would see this. And you would know that this is true. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is in the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. His great power is toward us. What is Paul saying? I pray that you see that this is true. This is true. I want you to see it. That the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead, the Bible tells us in Romans, it dwells in you. Do, do you see this? Do you know that this is true? See, and this is why we, when we go to the word of God, this is why we should pray before and afterwards. God, I want to see what you want me to see. I want you, I want, I want to see, to know that my situation is not hopeless. I want to see and know that I am your child. I want to see and know that the power that you have given to me in Christ Jesus. God, help me to see it. I pray before I go or before I read or before I listen and say, God, enlighten my heart. Help me to see what is true and what you have provided for me. And then after I read, God, I want to seal this in my heart. I, I pray that you keep showing me more and more. And I, God, I, I want to know you more and more. I desire to know more of you. I'm going to pray this before I start. And I'm going to pray this afterwards. Not in some mindless way. 
Not in some just regurgitating some sort of prayer that somebody told me to pray. That these prayers, these things that we see in the scripture, they actually mean something. There's a, there's a spirit of prayer that we can catch on to as we pray the word of God. Ephesians chapter 3, another tremendous prayer here in the scripture. says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. What, what is Paul saying here? It's good to be strong on the outside because you need to carry things sometimes. And it's good to be in shape. It's good to get physically strong. But Paul is talking about strength on the inside. Because our strength on the in, even though our, our muscles can be strong, that we can have a weak heart or we can have a weak mind when it comes to life. But I don't want to have a weak heart or a weak mind and I know you don't want to either. So what is Paul praying? That we would know something and it would be true on the inside of us. That his strength would become my inner strength. Not just my own strength, but his strength. And don't we need his strength? I'm talking about on the inside now. On the inside, we need his strength. Because why? We come to the end of ours. We come to the end of ours sometimes. Something comes and comes against us and another thing comes against us and we lose a friendship and somebody doesn't like us and then this happens and then this happens. And all these things do something to us on the inside. Paul prays for the church and we should pray for ourselves and we should pray for our friends that we would be strengthened in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you would be rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's people to grasp to understand to be enlightened to the idea how wide how long and how deep is the love of Christ Paul is saying that our roots the foundation of our relationship with God is for God so loved the world that he sent his son. That God is holding nothing back from us because he sent his best already. And we should know that our relationship with God, the roots of our relationship with God go down deep in the love of God. Our relationship with God is not, is not strengthened or weakened by our activity. It is strong because of Jesus. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. That means it's settled. God loves you. That's the end of the story. The end of the story is that God loves you and He wants your roots in Him to go down deep into His love this awareness to know, to grasp that God loves you not based on anything you've done or not done or your mess ups or your good things. He loves you because of himself, of who he is. That our roots go down deep 
in this idea. And see, this idea can get trivialized. You know, God is love and Jesus loves me, this I know. And it can become like a nursery rhyme. And it become a saying that we say over and over again. That can become meaningless. But Paul prayed for the church. Hey, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. Because we need to remember that. Why? Because sometimes people don't love us. Anybody out there? And what happens when people don't love us? Come on now. Let's be honest. It really hurts, doesn't it? Would people stop loving us? But people that used to be our besties unfollow us on Instagram. Now I don't see we laugh at that, but honestly, if you had a close friend that stopped following you on Instagram, that they're sending you a signal. Or they they're not just unfollow you, they block you. What what is that? That's like a uh, and then twist. See, but we're not supposed to go through life having our emotions live or die based on how somebody feels about me. I have my choices based uh, my, about my future because somebody stopped loving me. That our roots for life should go down deep in the fact that the one that created us the one that sent his son for us that his love for you and me is undying therefore there's hope therefore there's strength Therefore, there's direction for your future. Therefore, there's doors that will be opened. Therefore, the things that you were seeking after, you will find. Therefore, the things that you asked for according to the will of God, you will see in the timing of God. But what needs to happen, man, my roots are down deep in the love of God. I know this is hard for you to believe, but there's some people that don't like me. Angry at me, certain decisions I made that didn't like. I'm going to be in heaven, presence of Jesus. They're going to be in heaven. Some of that we're going to have to work out in eternity because right now they don't want to talk to me. But I can't live my life based on how other people feel about me. I can't make my choices. I can't let my future be decided. Because of the pain of a person not loving me. The love of God, stronger than that. Paul said, I pray that your roots go down deep in this love that's, that is wide and that is high. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to the power that is work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen.
Do you see the spirit of prayer in there? Do you you get it? You got to catch it. There's a spirit of prayer in there. It's not me begging God to do... God, God, I was good this week. I didn't do the thing that I know you don't like. And so God, I offer that to you. No. It is done because of His love. And I go because of His love. I go because of the invitation. I go and I'm not praying some mindless mantra that disengages my heart and my mind. I'm going to the one who loves me the most. And he wants me to ask. And he wants me to seek. He wants me to keep coming. Why? Because there is more outside of our comfort zone. There's more of the love of God to experience outside of what we already think we know. And how we talk and what we do. There is more in God for your life and my life. But let's, let's honor what he says. God, what, what are you saying to me? I want to understand what you're saying to me. I want to see it. I want to apply it. I want to pray and ask that your will would be done in my life. Let's receive communion together this morning. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.